This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Previously on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. I, I catch the ball. I take a few dribbles. I climb up with two feet. And I'm, I'm, I'm influenced by the 90s, so I yank the rim. That's what we do. And I slap the backboard because that's what we do. And it immediately shattered. And then you can see on my Instagram that I just didn't expect it. I turn around, I feel so bad. Even my body language, I'm just like, oh, my God. And my wife, you can hear her say, oh, my gosh, not again. And that, who, who does that, though? Like, even, even my post, you read the caption. Like, who does that, really? Like, at 37, two backboards in two months, like, at 21, 25, if I did that, man, I'd be bragging all day long. But at 37 with some little girls underneath you, that's just real bad. I, I got to get my life together. It didn't really do nothing for my spirit. You know, I'm, I'm stressed out right now. <laughs> that is a fantastic story. And I'm sure your daughter will remember it and her friends will be teasing her about it for years. Or did the girls thought it was cool, though, no? Oh, yeah, they thought it was the girls, the parents. The parents were sitting there <laughs> high-fiving me. They're going crazy. I feel bad because, you know, the next game, the seven year, the seventh grade girls, they got to go side to side on the, on the uh, small court hoops instead of the, the full length where the official side hoops are. But, like, uh, they loved it, though. And my daughter, when I got home, she was just smiling from ear to ear. She was like, wait, because my, my sons had to stay here because one of my sons is on crutches right now because he busted up his ankle. So they stayed home. So we get in the car and she's like, I, I'm telling the boys. Nope. And she's running in the house. And she's like, Dad shattered the backboard again. And they're like, what? And then, and then my daughter paused and says, she's like, and Mom got it on video. That was last week's guest on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, Nate Burleson of CBS Sports and NFL Network. That was part of a story about shattering a backboard at a recent daddy-daughter game with a group of eight-year-old girls on the floor. Come on, Nate. It was a dope interview, and the whole story is laugh out loud funny. Plus, Nate is a legitimate baller. You hear me? Legit from the 206 with amazing Seattle Sonics memories. Today's guest is a baller from Rochester, New York, who played at Syracuse. I'm not going to hold it against him as a Hoya. He was drafted by the Knicks in the first round of the 1996 draft and played seven NBA seasons and also played Lonnie. Y'all know the celebration. Raise the roof. In the movie, he got game. Wait for it, because he's coming right up. Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. People... Welcome into another episode of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. I'm your host, Monica McNutt, and this week, I'm joined by my co-host. Are we becoming friends? We are friends, even okay, though you went to Georgetown. And, and, and a friend, friends. a Syracuse alum, a former Nick, John Wallace is joining me on the podcast, y'all. John, thanks for kicking it with me. You want to have the background noise? Like, oh, my, oh my God. God. Wallace, oh. Oh, 
Syracuse, um, huh? Mm, okay. You gotta work on that. All of that. that. Yeah, um, I like that, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Shout out to producer Bruce for jumping in. All right, so um, Wallace, like, I'm super excited. First of all, MSG 150, guys. You should catch this man Monday through Thursday on MSG Networks. We're all there kicking it 8 to 10.30. How much fun have you had on the show? It's incredible. It's been, it's been awesome. It's fun. Every day I look forward to coming when I'm, when I'm on the schedule to work. It's, it's always good hanging out in the back room, um, coming to the green room, and just going out and just speaking, speaking, talking about sports. I mean, what's better than that? And they're actually paying us to do it. So, I mean, it's a, it's a double win for us. Yeah, it's it's tons of fun. So now let's get into your basketball legacy. Is that the word I want? I mean, you. It's okay. turned into a legacy finally. I, I guess I'm at the age where the word legacy is applicable, and um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll take it in stride. All right. So as a Georgetown girl, I'm definitely starting it off with you being a Syracuse guy, playing for one Jim Beheim, who, although he is the coach at the University of Syracuse, I respect. Big East battles back in the day, John. You were there when? 92 to 96, the real Big East. Final four. Final team four, Team with the orange. And, and that year in 96, the Big East was so much better than every other conference. It wasn't even close. Even though Kentucky won the title that year because they had eight NBA guys, the first team all, all Big East that year was Allen Iverson, Ray Allen, Kerry Kills, myself, and uh, like Jay Lawson or, or Daniel Abrams, like <clears throat> we were loaded. Uh, I mean, guys on the second team went to the NBA, uh, you know, Austin Crocheers of the world and uh, Pat Garrity. So um, we were we were very loaded in the Big East that year and definitely the strongest conference. It sucks and it's, and it's sad that the Big East, the real Big East, isn't, along, isn't around anymore. And when I run into guys who play in the Big East, that's what we refer to. Yeah. as the real Big East yeah. for the realignment and all that yeah. stuff. I, but even, because even when you were Big East, like it was realigned a couple times before we got to what we got now. Yeah. But when I was, I, I was part of the original, right. original Big East, like the the, the, the the original team that entered in the 80s. Is Boston College original? Yes. Yeah, okay. Boston College one of the original teams. Um, you know, Boston College, St. John's, Georgetown. Villanova. Villanova, and, and, and then UConn. And, yep, uh, yep. You know, and it was wars. Seton Hall. Yeah, yeah. Wars. Providence. Wars. Was Louisville original? No. Okay. Louisville wasn't in it when I was there. And Notre Dame had just entered okay. the Big East when I was playing. It was like my the first year. My, my senior year was the first year Notre Dame was in, uh, in our conference. So you mentioned that 1996 championship. You played against one Antoine Walker. Yes. Remember I, that? I remember it vividly because I, I gave him buckets. <laughs> is that how all your stories start? Yeah. <laughs> no, but honestly, I remember him coming to the locker room afterwards because I was so devastated that I didn't stay out there to shake hands after the loss. I Wait a minute, running back. You just walked off. Oh, yeah. I was already in the locker room tearing stuff up. Devastated. That was, I, I, it was like someone, it was like a sniper shot me, but I didn't die. It was oh. like I was walking around lifeless, uh-huh. but I got hit by bullets all over, and I'm just like... Were you the only one or the whole team kind of? No, I was, I was by myself. I went, because I found out... I'm shocked to hear you say that from, from the guy I know now. I'm surprised at that. I found I found out, and I went in the locker room. I was so devastated. I remember uh, Bill Clinton wanted to talk to me after the game. I refused to talk to him. I didn't want to talk to my mom. 
I went, I got in the car with a couple of my boys and we just rode around and started talking about like how my life is about to change because I was getting ready for the NBA. Right. So, you know, I kind of put it in perspective as upset as I was, I started to refocus and be like, at the end of the day, you had a good career. Yeah. And, you know, but at the, when you're, when you, when you come off losing a title game that like I dreamed about winning that game, every, every, I played out every scenario in my head and always had us winning. So when we lost, I was devastated, like inconsolable. You know, I, it, it hurt that much. I can imagine. I, and I only, I have to imagine, because the closest thing I have to compare that to is when we played UConn in the Sweet 16 my senior year and lost by six. And I was like, we were right there. And it hurts and it still bothers you. Yeah, it still bothers you. A couple plays you could have uh-huh. did here and there that you could have uh-huh. won the game. That's gonna, and that's going to be with you the rest of your life. Because I'm 45 and I still think about that game that happened 23 years ago. Gee whiz. Okay, so that was rough on you. But you're now, we are a week away from the 2019 draft. Yes. You remember this time in your life, oh this period. God. I mean, what? How, take me through this. First of all, around, right around this time, in, in June of this time, my, my click when we were getting ready to get drafted was myself, Stefan Marbury, and Allen Iverson. We were hanging together heavy. We were down on the lane. I'll never forget it. And Allen Iverson had just signed his Reebok deal. And it was like the around. Infamous his, Reebok deal? And around his birthday or something, around the same time. Okay. So I'm sure his birthday must be in June because we were in Atlanta. He came back, he signed a $50 million Reebok deal, and we went out that night and it was like buying out the bar. Now, you know, I don't drink, right. A, mm-hmm. and B, I'm frugal. Uh-huh. Very. So. <laughs> And proud of it, y'all. Yeah, so so they, him and Stephon, like, yeah, we buying out the bar. I'm like, wait, how much are they going to cost? <laughs> you know, they're not even worried about the cost. So I say, wait, I don't drink, A, and B, I will put in, but I'm only putting into a certain number. <laughs> I mean, I'm just not buying these random people's drinks. And they, you know, Allen Iverson, and, you know, and we, we had to cry, like, you know, it was, it was every, every star in Atlanta was there that night. We were at Club 112. Um... TLC, uh, some of the Falcons, uh, you know, Jodeci was in there, I remember vividly. Um, it, it, it was, I mean, the place was packed, and, you know, we wanted to kind of one-up everyone, or I should rather say they wanted to one-up everyone. I don't <laughs> care about that stuff. I really right, don't. Right. As you see, like, I'm not into jewelry and all that, but I let – go ahead and do that. Uh-huh. Now, I'm not going to lie. It got to a certain point. I was like, yo, how many bottles of champagne and all this you guys are going to buy? So when they ordered another round, I said, look, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not helping to pay. Right. And I left. Right. Now, obviously, Alan Ives had just got that big deal, so he was going to pay the bulk of the uh, bill, and uh, Stefan helped pay them too. But I wasn't drinking anyways. Right. So, I, you know, that being down in Atlanta and we were celebrating and partying, but – for some reason, I couldn't let go all the way in terms of the, you know, because I don't drink and I wasn't trying to spend too much money. And I, I wasn't a Sherlock top five pick like they uh, were either. So uh, I was like, I could count my money. They're, right. they're, they was in a different and I had to keep that in perspective. Right. Now, I'm not going to let go out here and exceed my means, uh-huh. so to speak. So um, I kept it within my means and I, I did very well. Do you remember the total that night? Oh, man. Like I said, I left. <laughs> like, you, maybe you don't remember. I, I left. You left. I, I, and I, I mean, there's bottles and bottles coming out. And uh, 
the, 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 the DJ was talking like we were all in the club and he was announcing everybody and hold on, they, they buying out the bar and all this. And I'm just like, I'm out of here, man, because you know, I just saw another round of bottles, and I know that stuff's expensive. I've never bought bottles in the car in a club except for my son like for his 21st birthday. Like you're a good dad. But other than that, I've never purchased bottles in a club. Bottles in the club have to be the biggest racket on the planet. It's exorbitant fees. Like the give me an SAT word. Oh, that's the other thing, guys. If you watch the show, John is famous for dropping these SAT words. We need the SAT <laughs> word for the markup, the racket that buying a bottle in the club compared to the liquor store is because it is exorbitant. outrageous. Exorbitant. There it is. Exorbitant. Exorbitant. We're talking like a three hundred times markup. Like it's absolutely absurd. And that is why I can't do it. Like. When you know you, that that bottle costs forty or fifty dollars in the liquor store or something, mm-hmm. and you're going to pay six hundred for it, I mean, what what part of like why does that make sense to you? <laughs> because you can. That's dumb uh-huh. though. That's a terrible logic. All right, so we get past the party in Atlanta. Earlier on the show today, you talked about you were invited to the green room for the yes. You're smiling. You remember that was the green an awesome room? night. I remember the green room vividly. Um, taking a limb over with my mom. I, I mean. Just to ride over, you're just thinking like, man, I'm entering, I'm about to be in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I felt so good for my mom because my mom, she's a she's a woman that worked three jobs, single mom, taking care of me and my two younger brothers, <clears throat> and never, ever once ever complained or even thinking about complaining. So it was awesome to, for that moment for her to share with me and then to buy her a house and a car. Um, it, you know, it, it's inexplicable, right? You know, I mean, it just, there's no better feeling than to see your mom overcome with so much joy that she she tears up and she just loves you so yeah. much, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And because you, you're changing your life and your family's life forever. Yeah. It's, That's what the NBA does if you do it right. And, and John, I think the coolest part about you is like, you don't trip about, honestly, I don't think I've seen you trip about anything since I've known you, for one. But, like, you talk about the NBA and your experience very matter-of-factly, very financial savvy, which seems to be ahead of the curve because ESPN and you think of the 30 for 30 are broke. Like, that's what you think of when you think of, like, ex-pro athletes and NBA players. But you were ahead of that before it was even a conversation. Well, I had great guys on, on the team with me when I played. Um, you know, Herb Williams, probably the smartest guy I've ever been around, took me right by my collar early. And basically said, if you do this, 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 and this, you'll be all right. Okay. So I did this, 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 and that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, uh, we're still friends to this day, and I still thank him all the time. Like, this this, this year I'm, is, is my year to thank everyone that really helped me. So I ran into Spike Lee the other day. I thanked him because the, the movie he got game is still paying me checks every month. So I, I thank him. I thank James Dolan every time. Yeah. Not every time, because that'd be excessive. <laughs> A little OD. I see him all the time. <laughs> but every so often, I'll pull him aside. And he knows what's coming. Uh-huh. I'm like, I just want to thank you for everything you've done for me and my family. I, I don't know where I'd be right now today if the Knicks weren't a part of my life and making me back to re- bringing me back to relevancy right. in New York City in the right. business world, networking world. Right. And I and I, I, I that stuff like that hold you know dear to my heart because um you know without the Knicks I don't know where I'd be honestly because I was kind of like not doing anything uh-huh. and I, I I came I, I interviewed with Dan Glass only hired me on the spot. I've been working for the Knicks for the last 10 years. Yeah, but you, and you always make it a point to talk about the alumni relationships. Absolutely. So it's not that without the Knicks now, you paid your dues with the Knicks 
back in the day. Yeah, but you know what, Monica, and I don't, I don't, I'm not looking for like, oh yeah, you were bad. I, I I played here for two years. I wasn't like okay. I wasn't a an all star. I didn't have like this great career with the Knicks, but I did. Have, I did things the right way, and I right. treated people the right way. Right. And that's what that's what it's about. Absolutely. Because there's players that were better than me that aren't working with the Knicks now. Okay. And like I and I, I I say this and I don't I don't it's not joking I'm not the only thing better than being a Nick is being a former Nick because mm-hmm. they take care of you mm-hmm. like I'm I've been working for the Knicks for ten years consistently yeah and that turn that's turned into other work that I'm doing other businesses that I'm a part of right that I'm involved with so I owe a lot to the Knicks and I make sure that they know it and they and they you know because you know even doing the show yeah like MSG 150 show came because I did another show with the Knicks uh, uh, a year ago not the Knicks but with MSG mm-hmm. called People Talking Sports mm-hmm. and Other Stuff did that did that for free showed up all the time I, I do a, a ton of stuff and it's not just because I get paid by the Knicks I, I do a lot of stuff just to show up for free events too right um, just to show them my appreciation for what they do for me and my family yeah you know because it's not, it's not always about trying to get paid it's about showing that you appreciate and you're appreciative yeah. of the position they put you in. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple things we just mentioned that I want to go back to. You mentioned the movie. Yes. He got game. That is the Thank movie. you, Spike Lee. Dude, you're still getting checks. People still definitely pull that movie up on Netflix Prime, wherever it's at, and kick it and just watch it. You know what's funny is I ran into Dame Lillard. I don't know him. Okay. Never met him. I walk into the garden this year right before they're playing him. It's the first selfie I've ever taken. <laughs> I walk in there. He's like, "Oh, we were just talking about you. We were just watching. He got game." Uh-huh. And then it, it it dawned on me, like like Russell Westbrook, Kyle Lowry, when they doing that, when after they dunk, that's me. You celebrate. That it's comes you. Me. It's you, dog. And and I, and I told Spike, Spike, I, I should have copyrighted or something. I don't know, patent it or something, because <laughs> I see all that. Should I get paid every time when somebody raises the roof and they say I got hops? Because I started that, and that wasn't in the script or anything. I just off script, and I just ad-libbed it. And, um, but, you know, it just, it's, it's great that uh, guys sit there watching that movie and saying that that movie meant a lot to them. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a special place. And Spike told us, give me everything you got on every, on every scene, and this movie will pay you the rest of your life. And he didn't lie. And <clears throat> the reason why that movie was so authentic, nothing was scripted. Uh. That was... Footage of us playing ball over like a three month span that he broke down and cut up. Uh, it was nothing scripted. It was like almost fights out there it was real. It was real hooping. That was like in the park. Uh huh. There was a dude from D Flick. I, I had, God bless the day. I think D Flick passed away. But D Flick was a is a is a guard. He was a great defensive guard. Mm-hmm. And he was actually playing too too good of D on on Ray Allen to start the. Like when we started hooping out there, uh-huh. so Spike stopped the movie one time. Like, look, you know that's the guy that we're trying to make. Like, I'm not telling you to let him score, but you can't like the nine ninety four feet. So D Flick, like, we in my hood. I can't let him embarrass me in my hood. Mm-hmm. So we go back out there, same thing. He locking up ninety four feet. Spike like, uh, hey man, you guard somebody else to sit down. I mean, I, I ain't gonna keep talking to you. We trying to shoot a movie out here. <laughs> Yo, that is crazy. So. You're working with Spike Lee, Denzel, Ray Allen. You had hooped against him in the Big East, though. So y- were y'all boys? I dunked on him a lot. Oh. <laughs> well. I got a, I got videos. I send it because some of the Connecticut guys I ran into, and I always send them that video. Uh-huh. I dunked on Ray Allen so nasty a couple of times. 
Oh my God, and ones. Like, <laughs> yes, disrespectful. Of course. Calhoun was there. Ray played for Calhoun. I ran into I, my 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 middle son played against UConn a couple years ago, and I ran into Jim Calhoun, and he he told me I was a recruit that got away because he felt like if I came to Connecticut because that was one of my schools at the time. That were me, Ray Allen, and Danielle Marshall, and those guys there, we would have won a national championship. Do you give any credence to that? I'm accused. Okay, I'm just... Okay. I bleed orange, man. I don't, I don't think I about you. UConn. I, I don't <laughs> want to help UConn's legacy or anything like that. I'm all about... I'm mad that we didn't win. So Listen, so UConn. my favorite part, obviously, other than the SAT words, I love all the stories you give us. Like, you hit us with that story on Cal, Calhoun and mm-hmm. Bayham almost, almost fought. Yep. But then, present day NBA that everybody gets to enjoy, Jeff Van Gundy. Like, yes. your Jeff Van Gundy stories are epic. Well, he was a great coach. And he, and he was one of those guys, you, you know, you run into some guys who are funny and they're not trying to be. They're being dead serious, but they're just really funny. That's what Van Gundy was, and he was, like, so serious about basketball. I can remember, like, we'd be sitting around, and it'd be a, you know, we just had a long road trip, and you got in the, probably got in, like, 3 or 4 in the morning, and you got to practice at 10. And he, I remember he came in one time, he's like, you know what, guys? After watching the game for the eighth time last night, you're like, watching the game eight times? <laughs> so everyone's sitting around with this incredulous look, like, eight And then he'd be in the middle of talking, like, yeah, after watching game eight, wait. Did anyone else watch the game? And everyone's like, no one's hands raised there. Oh, really? He goes, so no one else cares that we lost. I'm the only one that cares that we lost. And we're like, no, we care that we lost. But, I mean, it's, a, it's it was game like 27 of an 82-game season. <laughs> you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. that, that's Van Gundy in a nutshell. He took every game like it was game seven of the finals. And that's why he's a really good coach. As you're listening to him on the NBA today, do you chuckle? Like, I do chuckle. You I text him sometimes. Back? He's funny. Because he's just so matter-of-factly about everything. And that's the way he was as a coach. Yeah. Like he, you know, some of the things he says, and, you know, he, he's a great commentator. Uh, he really, really knows the game. He comes from a basketball family. His father was a great coach up in Rochester for 40 years. Mm-hmm. His brother's an NBA coach, obviously. So he comes from great coaching lineage in, in their family. He really knows the game, and, and, and he's, a, he's really a joy to listen to on the, when he's calling all the NBA games. When you look back, you've got teammates that are your boys. You've got coaches that are in your network. You've got this Knicks family that you're a part of. I almost feel unfair asking you this, but if you had to pinpoint the most valuable part of your experience as a basketball player, is it something that you taught that it taught you? Is it not not even you the most valuable experience? Like, is there a single thing that stands out above the rest? Well, the experience is being able to use basketball to help you in the rest of your life. Okay. Like, so you don't let the ball use you. Mm-hmm. And you start setting things up before you're out the league, while you're still in the league, so you have all the leverage. Because once you're out the league, you, you, you lose a lot of leverage. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone doesn't have the, the fortunate to, not as fortunate to lean back on an organization like the Knicks who will help you and guide you and they have you know, I, I can't reiterate enough how many former Knicks are working with the Knicks consistently. Not one or two appearances here like some of these teams are doing. There's like 15 or 20 guys that work consistently year-round for the Knicks. That's awesome. And I guarantee you, and I, and I promise you, there isn't another NBA team that's doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so from that regard, you know, it's incredible. But, like, when you get to a point in basketball when you're – 
when you're in the NBA because there's pros, but when you make the NBA, now it's like, all right, what can you what can you do so that that NBA is is leveraged in a way that it pays you, paying keeps paying you for it forever. And that's what I'm in the process of trying to do. Like, because when you enter the business world from the NBA, you're a novice. Yeah. So you have to fill yourself with humility. And yeah. I did that. And I surrounded myself with guys, mostly Syracuse guys, who mm-hmm. are insane, incredible business acumen. Stuart Moores, uh, he just retired. He's CEO of uh, Levine Builders for 20-plus years. He helped me out tremendously. Hal Fetner. Runs his own company, uh, owns about $800 million worth of buildings in New York. Syracuse guy, Brandon Steiner. It's just a lot of Cuse guys. And, you know, Skip Gehring, who's not a Cuse guy, but a guy that I'm in business with that helps me out tremendously. Scott Cohen. Yeah. Like, all these guys are, like, very, very well-established businessmen with insane amounts of business acumen who are able to lend some things to me and, and and brought instant credibility to my yeah. to my, what I'm doing, you know. And another other two guys, Brian Land and Hill and, and uh, Peter Hildreth, guys I I do some metal and glass with, which started because uh, the company Sheldiner did all the renovations at the Garden. Ah, okay. So once that, and then that's how we met. Then I I was like, oh, mirrors glass. And he's like, I don't know about mirrors and glass, but I know people who do, and I know people that you can't get in contact with, but I can contact with you. So that's how I got in, and then yeah. just started working like that. I think I need to brush up on my Malcolm Gladwell references, but I think are you a con- would you be a connector or a maverick? I think you might. I'm a connector. Are you a connector? And according to his book, because you know everybody. I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a connector, and the best the best thing about that is it's not always like you're connecting for money, right? Right. Like sometimes you're just connecting for good relationships and good karma. I'm a yeah. big believer in good karma. So, like, some of my guys, I might help them out with something. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not looking for a payment or anything. But I know that good karma is going to come back, and you might be able to help me with something else in business right. down the line. Right. And if you don't, I'll, I'll, I'll depend on the good karma to help me. There you go. <laughs> Things have been good to you. Bruce, you here? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Say, so listen, you know, uh, you never played, or I don't know, did you ever have any dealings with Pat Riley when, when you were in New York, or was he out of there by then? played for Pat Riley with the Miami Heat right before, you know, coaching us before he quit that year. Dwayne Wade's rookie year, Pat Riley was coaching us at first until he quit. That's what I want to ask you about. So what do you remember about D. Wade when uh, he was a rookie? Ooh, uh, good question. The, the, the worst part of that was I had to guard him every day. So <laughs> what I remember most is him scoring on me at an incredible rate and going home after practice. Me, Lamar Odom, and Samaki Walker sitting around talking about how Jordan-esque Dwayne Wade was today again. (laughs) (laughs) So when when you were with Riles down in Miami, anything in particular that uh, impressions that he made on you, either as a player or, you know, just as a human being in general? Who, Dwayne Wade? No, Riles. Pat Riley? Yeah. Pat Riley is... uh... One one thing I I remember most about him is we were going we were doing a drill and he had said something wrong and and I didn't correct him on it even though I knew he said something wrong and he basically came up to me is like you're a man's man because you know basically you could have said something you didn't you just went in and did it the right way did what you had to do even though I told you something different 
So that always stood out to me that um, he would, you know, bring something like that up. Obviously, he's an incredible coach, but he's he's probably the greatest motivator to, mm. to coach. Like, he motivates you. You know, I know you heard all the stories, him sticking his face, uh, head in the water, holding it in the water in the ice bucket for about a minute and a half, and then he comes up and he goes, you got to play every game like it's your last breath. I had not heard that story. Yeah, that's a yeah, – he, he, he dunked his head in the water. He held it, held it, held it, and he came up, he's like – purple blue and he's like you gotta play every game like it's your last breath <laughs> that's unbelievable that's unbelievable we <laughs> one more monica then then i'll back away so when uh one of our other shows uh jw the mike wise show he had uh genie bus on the lakers owner and we were talking about riles and she was saying you know the thing that you all don't understand is that everyone thinks oh all the women swoon over pat riley she's there pat riley is a dude magnet he is much more of a dude magnet than a chick magnet. Wow. I, I, I mean, <laughs> That's hilarious. I, 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 I don't, I'm not sure how she respond to that, but... Uh, Does I, she mean like in a, a hitting on him kind of way? Or no, he's just she, a nice guy? No, like, no, like, no. Just like that guys know. would follow him into war and go through a brick wall. I mean, they just loved him as a leader. Well, well, it's because he, he, he carried himself in a way and he was so established and he was such a winner. That like when 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 a coach has won that much and he's coached such great players, you tend to follow him and you know and he's like got this gregarious way about him and he makes everyone like really love him and and you buy into him, you buy in. You know he. I remember when I signed there, I was I was literally going to sign with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I'm on the phone with Pat Riley, and I never forget he we're, we're going back and forth. I was trying to get an extra year out of him. And he just said, as a matter of fact, he goes, Wallace, what are you doing? You know you want to play in Miami. Just fucking sign the thing. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. I do want to play in Miami. And I did sign. <laughs> that is epic. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right, so we could literally listen to your NBA stories for forever, but I promised I wouldn't keep you all evening. Let's look into the finals, where we are now. And I will be the first to admit that my prediction was absolutely wrong and that John on the show was the one person out of the five of us, six five, of us, five, five of us yeah. to choose the Raptors from the jump. Well, cause I, I just thought Kawhi Leonard was going to be the best player on the court, especially without Kevin Durant, either not playing at all or playing by the time he came back, it's going to be like too hard to get into a rhythm. He actually proved me wrong in that little short scene he did play. He looked incredible. He looked very good. I was shocked at how good he looked. Um, but he, it's going to take a, a Herculean effort from Steph and Clay these next two games. And that's the only way they can pull it off. And that's why I'm banking on the Raptors to close them out because I just think Kawhi doesn't have to do as much for them to win because the Van Vliet's going to play well. Um, Kyle Lowry's going to be looking to redeem himself. Siakam's going to, you know, and they just got these. You know, they just got a veteran-laden team that's, like, on the verge of doing something special, and I don't think they're going to let that uh, let, let go of that opportunity. Draymond as a factor? You guys love Draymond. You guys are all saying he's the MVP, but as we wait, saw... I, wait a minute. I said he could be. I didn't say he was, but go ahead. Well, yeah, you said he'd be the MVP. Continue. The We're not going to do this job. Yeah, but the thing about Draymond is when, 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 when Clay went out and Steph was hobbling and 
and KD was out and you need him to score more, he couldn't do it. He's still averaging eight points a game. He's not, and it's easy to get 10 assists when you're passing the ball to Clay and yeah. Steph. He's he's not a guy he's a that great can re- He's a good rebounder and he's a good defender. That's why he's, he's a garbage man. That's where, and that's where everyone loses me and misses me and all that. He's an all of famer and he's a all-star. Cause I, I just don't feel that about Draymond Green. All right. Um, our time together is winding down, but I want to get into a conversation that we had on Tuesday on our show. We're recording this podcast on Wednesday. It will roll out on Thursday for game six. We were discussing where the blame should be on the KD thing. Now, obviously none of us can play God to a degree. This is just what happens in sports. You guys said it was with the organization, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think I'm glad we can have this conversation because I think on the desk, I don't know. I think my point got lost. I agree with you on the surface, right? But I also understand that the organizations have an agenda as well. If we were to separate that discussion, then yes, I'd stop at the organization. But for me, where we are in sports culture, we saw the Celtics and Isaiah after he gave that Herculean effort to your point after his sister. Um, was passed, even if you want to get into Kawhi and Damar and their respective former organizations. To me, as an athlete, and you have done a great job of this, you got to take what you can control in your own hands. So if KD decided, I'm going to play because it's about my brothers and I want to fight, then cool, period, it happens. But if it was the organization gave me a green light, to me, that's just short-sighted. Exactly. Definitely short-sighted. And I think the narrative out there was starting to get to him a little bit, like in the papers, the headlines, you know, are, are they better without KD? Um, if, if, if that injury happened to Clay, Draymond, or Steph, they would have been back already. Like, everyone's kind of questioned his integrity and his character and his competitiveness, which when you're one of the best NBA players in the world, if not the best, you can't question those things because the only way you got there is by having an abundance of all those things I right. just stated. Right. So th- that in itself is asinine. Yeah. So stop all that chatter. Okay. Um, the organization's at fault because I think they should have just held them out. You got to look long-term in that situation. I think they only played them because they were down 3-1. If they were up 3-1, he wouldn't have played. If it was 2-2, he wouldn't have played. So – and I and I firmly believe that. Mm-hmm. If they were up 3-1, you think he would have played? No, I agree with you. So why play him down 1-3? Because he might be playing. leaving, and that's my point. Yeah, so that means that means that... You the, get what you can. So that means the organization was saying, look, we're going to get everything we can out of him. My, that's my whole point and, on and, why you can't trust. And, and if I'm Katie and, and that's the truth, then how could you stay and trust that organization if that's what they did? Boom, I'm with we you. Don't know all the, we don't know the facts, but if that's what it, if that's what's being out there and that's kind of what the what's what's being said then you got to really look at that because they weren't looking out for his best interest long term mm-hmm. if that's the case mm-hmm. but i don't know what was really said who said what yeah. it just sucks that he's not he he's not he he got injured and uh, the nba family's going to suffer from it and you know hopefully he's able to come back and uh and, and be i mean and, and this is no exaggeration <laughs> if he is 50, 60% of what he was. He's still, still fantastic. Really good. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> Our fabulous producer, Bruce, is pointing out that he does have that $31.5 million option. So if he wanted to, not taking that. he could rehab on Golden State's dime if he wanted to. He could, he, and he could rehab on someone else's Lots dime of other people's And dime. still have three years left on that contract yeah. while yeah. he's rehabbing. Yeah. So. Now, what I would say, and all of this is revisionist history, if Bob Myers 
used the same energy with which he went before the media after the injury to go to bat for KD on why he wasn't playing, then I think maybe you are endearing yourself to this man on another level. But it didn't happen. So whatever. Yeah, and, and you made a good point about that. You know, he came out after the fact, but before the fact, they should have came out and been like, yo, obviously if KD could play, he'd be playing. Right. We've had everyone looking at him. This is a much more serious injury than we thought at first. So uh, you can blame us if you want, because we with the diagnosis that thinking that he's going to be back sooner than he than he was, he's just not ready to come back. Right. There's no need to say to talk about if we're better without him, because obviously we're not. No one's better without KD on their team. Mm-hmm. And if Vita came out and said that, it might have put KD at ease. But do we know that? We don't know. We don't know. It's all speculative. Yeah. And it's easy to speculate because he's injured yeah. now. You we know, don't know. We know what, what they did do was wrong. Yeah. All right, JW, I got to get you out of here. But this is how we wrap up Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. I'm going to ask you for three things, and let's keep it NBA Finals focused. I like Bucket, Boards, and Blocks, because I did all those things. There you go. There you go. So give me, in your observation through the course of the finals, what is a bucket? This thing or this player has been A+. plus. You could take it any day, every day, twice on Sunday. Someone's just going to get a bucket? Who is it? Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi? I knew you were going to say that. Excellent choice. From three, from mid-range, all the way to the basket, dunking on you with the left and one, however you want it. And he, he's really efficient. Yeah. He doesn't, no wasted movements, motions. Um, I mean, he's really coming into his own. So he, he's an, an effective guy. Now, Kevin Durant was still, you know, I, he's slightly better than uh, Kawhi in terms of getting buckets because that's, he, that's just what Kevin Durant does. Right. He, he's led the NBA in scoring multiple times. You know, so he, he is definitely the, the, the best bucket getter in the NBA. Got it. All right, so now I need your block. And typically with a block, we look for something that innately, when you first glance at it, is not necessarily positive, but there's some silver lining to it. So something that happened in the NBA Finals that you thought of maybe has some silver lining to it. I think I think that block that Draymond had on Kyle Lowry is going to ignite him because it's hard to walk off the court knowing oh, that your shot okay. got blocked to win the title, and, and and I think Kyle Lowry, he came out in, the, in that Buck series after one game he played bad. And he came out and he torched him. Yeah, he, and everyone was questioning him. Oh, uh, Kyle Kyle Lowry's not good in the playoffs, and he came out and he had like thirty. And, and, he, and he stopped all that noise. And, and then when you guys are worried about sporadic play of Kyle Lowry, I told you I'll take his sporadic play because that sporadic play means he's going to have some good games in there. And yeah. he's due for a good game. Okay, okay. So just so we're clear, because we got lots of bees floating around on the podcast. The bucket is Kawhi Leonard and his efficiency elevating his game. Your board is... No, block. You said block. No, it's your, it's your board. It's your thing that was bad, but it's actually a silver lining. Okay. Your board is the block at the end of game five yeah. on Kyle Lowry. So that's something that could spark Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry in game six. Now, your block from the final series is the thing that you're like, get that out of here. I don't want to see any more of it. Like the Nick Nurse timeout. <laughs> you ain't lying. You ain't lying. Uh, I, I don't want to see any more Draymond Green complaining. Okay. He 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 vowed to stop complaining. And he was playing great when he stopped complaining. Now he's back to complaining, you know, getting texts. That doesn't help his team. So he's got to get back to just focus focusing on basketball and stop complaining to the refs. Because besides the last year in the finals, 
when they change the call, the refs have never changed the call after they made it. Man, what? That is facts. But they did change it last year on LeBron. Now I can believe that. They did. I they could did. not believe that. So Bruce and you also did correct me. So I did mess up the BBB. But we got it together, people. So the bucket is Kawhi and his efficiency. The board is I knew, game. I, I knew you I were right. right. You were right. Is the finish of game five. I'm like all, all <laughs> cute guys. We normally write. Oh man. my gosh. We're not we're doing it. We're doing our best with her, JW. You know, it's a work in progress, man. You're not gonna do that. And I then, have to send a new house for a week or two. <laughs> no, thank you. Shout out to Georgetown for holding me down. But Georgetown doesn't have a communication. It doesn't school, matter. Right? They love me and we're still connected, and that's my school, and I will bleed color. Anyway, and you're <laughs> the podcast now. Thank you, John, for coming on and chit-chatting with us. All good, all good. Let's um, go cues. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Right there, right there. <laughs> <laughs> that was dope. <laughs> Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with me, Monica McKnight, is one of four weekly shows from Pure Hoops Media. I'm here each Thursday with great guests like John Wallace and, of course, my pops with his wit and wisdom. The Pure Hoops podcast Drops each Friday from three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. BJ has great stories from the Bulls dynasty and his current gig as an agent for high-profile NBA stars. On Mondays, it's the Mike Wise Show. Mike's recent guests have included Warriors associate head coach Mike Brown, Jeff Van Gundy of ESPN and ABC, and Bucks owner Mark Lazary. Finally, on Wednesday, we have Catch and Shoot with Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov. Their recent guests were Byron Scott, Sean Elliott, and Avery Johnson. Please sample all of our shows, rate them, review, download, subscribe, and most of all, enjoy. Hey, McNutt, tell your pops to grab his whistle. It's time for the official review. So we are at that point in the pod that I love as I bring a piece of my heart in. Hey, Dad, we missed you last week. Yeah, how about that? But this is all good. Broson was rolling. Yeah, Broson, he had plenty of good stories to tell. Mm-hmm. As do you when it comes to one athlete who is out with an Achilles injury, but you had the opportunity to ref and see, really grow up hooping in our area and Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, it's just, this hurts a lot to see what uh, what happened to him. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. I I repped him several times in high school in AAU ball here in here in DC area when he when he played. Um, he played at several high schools. <laughs> uh, he almost went to one a year. But yeah, that and then he played. We, we we had a team in the Georgetown summer league, and he was uh, he played with us for uh, a half of a summer. So yeah, I so I consider him a friend, and uh, you know. DC guy, so I'm pulling for him all the way and, and wish him the best on speed recovery. On looks like he's going to be out a year. I mean, I saw a stat where nobody has come quicker from Achilles uh, heel injury than less than 230 days, and I think that was uh, Kobe. I think, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, you're talking about eight months at least. Well, yeah. if anybody could do it, I think. The way that KD works, his work ethic, um, his talent level, he might be the guy to do it in 228. It's Wednesday. Uh, he had surgery on Wednesday in New York and shared that with all his fans via Instagram. And so, most importantly, we wish him a healthy, whole recovery. But, Dad, 
on the conversation of the finals. You were with me. We didn't pick the Raptors. I mean, how stunned are you? Or are you stunned? Yeah, well, uh, oh, yeah, you got it. <laughs> of course. Um, stunned? Yeah. <laughs> they they had it going on. Kawhi stepped up to play, be the player that you thought he was. I guess I, 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 I didn't have a lot of confidence in Toronto because uh, uh, Lowry has never stepped up under the bright lights and a couple of those players haven't. Uh, but, um, yeah, Kawhi's put him on the back and said, we refuse to lose. And then, um, you know, Durant not coming back. We, although we never knew Durant's status, but uh, that makes obviously that makes a big difference. So, Toronto, although I'm pulling for Golden State, I, I don't see Toronto losing these next two games. Um, they are the better team with Durant out. And also, what's the, what's the center I'm thinking about? Huh? Soccer? Pascal no, no. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the uh, Looney. Looney being out also for uh, Golden State. If he's out, they they aren't. They just don't have a bench to that can compete. Um, the big four: uh, Green, of course, Steph, Clay, Iguodala, and I'll throw Livingston in there and, and, and Kerr. I mean, these these guys are are champions. What they did the other night. Um, reminded me. I think I talked to you about that. About you know what Ali said about you know sometimes uh, the, the 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 will is greater than the skill. You know um, that's the first thing that came to mind. How they pulled out that win, especially after getting down six with two minutes to go and all that transpired, and and you know, get that W. That's the champion's medal. But I I really don't see how Toronto loses uh, two two these next. Well, it would be three straight, but um, lose. Um, the next two, one of the next two. Game six and game seven. Wait a yes. minute. So you're actually rooting for Golden State, though? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, KD for one. And I, I, I admire uh, uh, championship uh, excellence in sports. And that's what they are. I mean, five straight finals. It'll be the fourth title if they were to get it. That That's that's outstanding. I mean, that, that's, that's excellent. That, that, you know, I don't – uh, even the Patriots, not to say that I root for them, but I admire when you can put us put streaks together like that. I mean, I do it. I do it in my fantasy league, but that's a little bit different, huh? Well, who are you? I okay, if you say so. I mean, it's definitely a tip of the cap, but I just think the Raptors would be a tremendous story if they manage to pull this off, and I stand Why? by that. Although Bruce agrees with you, so shout out to you and Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's the what's the what's the great story for I mean, yeah, yeah, no, no. and his story is similar to you know the um, the Cavaliers story. I think we mentioned this last time we talked. You know, the Cavaliers losing to a 16th seed, the only time that's happened in NCAA history, and then turn around the following season to win a championship. And Kawhi, you know, basically run out of town. Everybody's saying he's a malingerer and he wasn't talking. And how how do you um, how do you not side with Popovich, Hall of Fame coach, and the five-time Spurs? So he's like an outcast, and here it is a season later, and you know he's he's wearing a belt. You know, could could wear a belt. So yeah, it's a great story. But so is so is so is four championships in five years. Who's done that? But the but the Celtics of old.
That's right. The Celtics, the Bill Russell Celtics, the greatest dynasty, the greatest <laughs> dynasty in sports history, Pops. Uh, you couldn't resist it. I had to jump in there. I knew you got I knew I could. Bill you Russell, John Havlicek, <laughs> Sam <laughs> Jones, Casey Jones. Those are Don our Nelson. guys, Pops. Don Nelson. Those are our guys. Paul Silas. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, Seth Sanders, you know, Casey and Sam Jones. We can go on and on. Monica has no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, well, you know, but she's going to learn, right? Because yep. we're going to keep doing this. She, that's right. She has to learn if she wants to be, you know, in this industry. you got to know history, you know? There you go. That's why I love having both of you on. But alas, our time is up. Safe that's fast. <laughs> hey, I, I like Bruce on this. I like Bruce. Let's, let's, make, let's make it a big three. Let's put Bruce on this. I like the way he goes. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. It's that time of the show, y'all. We're closing it out. This is another fantastic episode of Bucket Boards and Blocks. I think today I'm just going to take one, and I'm going to take a block. Honestly, I'm going to go with a block for this one. I think we as consumers of basketball or sports in general need to see our favorite players and athletes as more than players and, and athletes. There was a whole lot of buzz in terms of whether or not Kevin Durant should have played. Now we all know in hindsight that it was probably too premature. But I think in general, we need to give athletes room to make the decisions that are best for them and their families and just kind of need to respect it. I don't think we have to like it or love it, but I think there is some space where we just need to respect it. So that's my block for today. Of course, wishing KD a speedy and healthy recovery. Thanks to John Wallace for coming through. My pops, Kevin McNutt, the Pure Hoops media team for hooking us up. My producer, Bruce Bernstein, slash co-host. Shout out to you, Bruce, dropping knowledge. My editor, Ben Wolfen, for getting it done as well. And please, don't forget our other shows, Catch and Shoot with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, The Pure Hoops Pod with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman, and The Mike Wise Show with none other than Mike Wise. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. And until then, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 